I'm going to invite you to power on a Bible on an app or the ones in your book rack. And you can turn to the New Testament farther ahead in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to study the most famous version of the birth of Jesus. See, I'm going to assume that coming to a Christmas Eve service in 2020, that you're at least somewhat familiar with why we're all here. We are remembering and celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. But I'm also not going to assume that just because you know that, it means much in your life. And I want to talk about the significance that the birth of Christ has for us, that God chose to become a little, chose to become a little baby boy, such an approachable thing, so that you could know him and be redeemed in this life. See, I want to talk today a little bit. We're concluding what we've been discussing this month. For those of you who have been around Mercy Road, we've been talking about John chapter one, this theme of Jesus' birth into the world being uh, the light in the darkness, this analogy of his birth being that in this dark world that we live in, and you've experienced some darkness this year, I'm assuming, that he is the light that brings hope. It's what his birth is all about. It's what Christmas is really all about. John chapter one, verse five, kind of our theme uh, this afternoon says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not, I repeat, has not overcome it. So if you're like most human beings today and you just feel overwhelmed and anxious and worried and you don't know what's coming next and everything changes all the time and it's been the hardest year of your life, I get it, we get it. But I wanna tell you that with Christ in your life, as we talk about what it means to have a relationship with God, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And it doesn't mean that you won't experience darkness. It doesn't mean that there won't be hard times or suffering. In fact, he understands suffering better than we do. If you're unfamiliar with what the good news of Jesus being born of the world really is all about, is that he lived 33 years on the planet and he eventually will be crucified, executed as an atoning sacrifice for all of our wrongdoing so that nobody here is foreign or afraid or has to be afraid of God and his good news. That that you could be made right with the perfect God, you could live in heaven forever with the new heaven, the new earth, and you could experience the Holy Spirit at work in your life. Now, I'm going to break that down in a little bit here, and I'm going to tell you, I get really excited at Christmas. It's my favorite time of the entire year to preach, because this message, talking about God with us, is incredibly significant, I believe, to our daily lives. And that's what I want to talk about, that his good news is life, death, and resurrection so that you could experience God in your life and never be alone again matters and is worth celebrating and worshiping about. Because most of us have not experienced peace this last year. But I'm going to ask you this question. What if you could have peace in 2021? Anybody want that? Come on now. I know I do. And we're celebrating the Prince of Peace here together. So I want to talk about his good news for you does bring you peace. And I want to ask you now a little harder question that I'm going to unashamedly ask you because we're more aware than ever before this last year that we're not guaranteed another day on this planet. And, and you don't have to believe this. We have people who have walked in from maybe different backgrounds. You may not be a Christian yet. I want to tell you why we celebrate this as followers of Jesus together. See, the question I'll ask is, do you have peace with God? Because 
If you can answer that question, I believe one day we're going to see our Lord and Savior in heaven and we're going to have to uh, answer that question for him. And do you have peace? Are you made right with the perfect God? Because I believe that the hope of Christ, the peace of Christ is for you. And that's what I'm going to talk about. Before we get to it, though, are you ready to study God's word together? Come on now. You're probably somewhat familiar with the story. I'm going to talk fast. Luke 2, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus, the emperor, issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. So he had to go there for the census. Interestingly enough, it also fulfills Old Testament prophecy that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem and the line of David. Verse five, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. These two teenagers in the crazy story they've had to face. Verse six, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes, can you picture it? And placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flock at night. I love that it was at night because I don't know about you, uh, but when I get out in, at nighttime, I, I'm, I've shared this a couple weeks ago, if I get out in the darkness, especially out in the countryside, like, and it's dark out, dude, I'm a total wimp. Don't judge me. Don't act like you're better than me. Like, I'm still somewhat scared of the dark. Anybody? Anybody with me? Yes, thank you. Thank you. Him and I are going to hang later. But I want to tell you that even as a, a, a high school kid, I was 18 years old, and I know you're going to judge me. I'm going to share it anyway. I shared it a couple weeks ago. When I would go into my house at night, I would literally kind of scurry to the steps because I know you're like, why would you be scared of the dark? Because... There are things waiting and prowling in the dark to attack you. You didn't know that? Like wild animals, the worst is the bad guys. The bad guys are always after you. They like to hide in the shadows where you can't see them, especially late at night when you don't have a flashlight. So I would get to the last steps to enter my house as an 18-year-old, and as I get to the steps, I'd do this. I'd kick up my heels at the last second when I would go in the door, because you know that's where the bad guys are lurking. They're going to cut that Achilles, man. They're going to cut it. And then you're going to be stuck. You know what? You're like, you have problems. Yes. Yes, I do. I'm very scared of the dark. I don't know why. And it's weird how when you're in the dark, how it can change your perception of things. I went into one of those escape rooms a while back. You know what I'm talking about? I took my wife and kids in there. It, it's, it's where you pay somebody a lot of money to imprison you and your family where then you have to solve difficult riddles in order to escape and get your life back. And then when you finally break free and get out, you pay them an exorbitant amount of money and you hand it over and you thank them for it. That's, that's pretty much the whole experience. When we got into the escape room, I'd never done one of these before. They locked the door shut with my three kids in there and it was dark in there. So we had to do the entire thing in the dark and it was causing me anxiety. I told my wife later, the hardest part of the whole thing was it was dark. When you're in darkness, like we've all experienced this last year, we all track in when I'd say darkness, pain and suffering, anxiety, worry, fear, feeling abandoned or alone. It's weird how when you're in the darkness, it makes you feel and experience these things. By the way, we're pretty much the worst family ever to do the escape room in the history of families. 
Like we got past like clue one. That was it. We got out and they were like, we're going to pray for you. That's the worst we've ever seen. You guys are the worst family. You're probably not just bad at escape room, probably bad at life. So we left there. And uh, I want to tell you today that uh, these shepherds, I'll get back to the story. These shepherds, they're out there at night and they're probably used to it. But in the middle of the night, when they're sleeping, living with the animals out in the countryside, all of a sudden an angel shows up. And haven't you always thought, you know, okay, I would totally be a Christian. I'd follow after God with my whole life. If he just showed up right here, Jesus showed up at my doorstep and I just, I would totally follow him if he showed up. I would tell you history in scripture tells us the opposite. Every time in the Bible, in the Old and the New Testament, when God showed up and sent an angel and the glory of the Lord showed there, people were fearful. Look what it says here. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, the light and the darkness, literally. And they were really glad that God showed up. (laughs) They were terrified. And if you really think about it, if Christ showed up tonight, And I asked you that question about, do you have peace with him? I imagine many of us would probably have a certain bit of fear and intrepidation of what that encounter might go like. The Bible teaches us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that we don't have to have fear. In fact, uh, that's what they will be encouraged here in a moment. But the big idea I want you to get is that the hope and peace of Christ is available to you. And I want to talk about why that's significant and why I think most of us kind of take it for granted. Will you pray with me? God, I just thank you for every person that is here and attending online. And it has been a hard year and at times dark. And I pray, Lord, that rather than hiding in the darkness and escaping to the bottom of a bottle or to drugs or to different relationships or just avoiding you, that we might run to the light today. And if there's anyone here that needs to hear your word, God, I pray you'd speak right to our souls. We surrender everything. Take my words away. Replace it with whatever you have to say, God. And and we surrender tonight to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. See, one of the great parts about Christmas, obviously, is the birth of Jesus. But we all know what the second greatest part of Christmas is, right? That's right. The gifts. Come on now. You guys finally know this. The rest of they were all like, no, it's just Jesus. <laughs> no, man, the gifts, baby. Some of you are gonna open Christmas gifts tomorrow as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And I, I gotta share something with you. See, I learned a little while ago that as a dad, you gotta prepare for Christmas because uh, the gifts that you will get will be socks and ties every single year unless you plan ahead. So I told my wife, I'm picking out my Christmas gift this year and I really needed some gloves. And so, but I didn't want just any gloves. Instagram told me that I really needed these gloves. So check these babies out. Aren't those cool looking? These are the greatest Christmas gift I think I'm going to ever receive right here because not only does it look cool, uh, my hands last two winters have been cold. I didn't have any gloves, but look what, I just want to show you this. These are very impressive gloves. Check this out. I got a strap, goes all the way around, keeps the heat in, my hands now warm. You don't seem that impressed by that, so I'm going to keep going. Not only is my hand warm, get this, get this. I actually, you can light a match. I know this because I did it last night. I can light a match and hold it up to the glove and my hand will not burn. 
because these aren't any gloves. My kids call them my Avenger gloves. These are actually tactical gloves. You want a demonstration, Mike? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, I, I actually, and I know you're like, okay, so why would I hold a flame up to my hand? That would be dumb. Why would I want to do that? Well, it's, that's not all. If you're tracking, you really want to know, not only do they resist water and they resist heat, they also, get this, they come with all this protective gear on the outside, right here, so that when the bad guys come at me, I pictured this in my head, I'm ready. If I don't have a flashlight, I don't have to live in fear. I got the glove, baby. But that's not all. Then, in the video that they showed me, it showed me that if I took broken glass from the ground, because, you know, you might want to do this, if I took the broken glass up and I took it to my hand and I tried to cut my hand, it couldn't, the glove would protect me. But that's not all. Also, the exterior of this glove is literally, I'm like Batman, man. According to the video it showed me, I can also punch through glass. Duh. Well, you're like, why would you want to punch through glass? My question to you is, why would you not want to punch through glass? This is the greatest gift ever, man. I've been talking about it. When it I was, I'm not making this up. I was totally like checking the mail every day, waiting for this pair of gloves that I got because it was 60% off at the time. And the Instagram told me if I didn't buy it right now, I wouldn't get it. But I got it, man. It's here. And I got so excited and my wife has been making fun of me because I wanted tactical gloves for my Christmas gift. But to me, it was the coolest thing. You know what it's like to get a cool gift. You talk to people about it. I still remember in 1989 when I got the 1989 Upper Deck baseball card set. The first Upper Deck set in the history of baseball cards came with the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. I would not stop talking about it. You know what it's like to get a great gift. Why is it the greatest gift that we would ever be given, we don't talk about it with the same excitement that we talk about a gift we're going to get tomorrow? So I'm not going to apologize as I get excited during the remaining time to talk about that gift. I believe it is the greatest gift the world has ever seen. It does a whole lot more than punch through glass. It brings us eternal salvation. It makes it so that God wants to dwell with us. Do you realize that the gospel didn't just begin in the New Testament? It goes all the way back to the Old Testament. The story of the Bible is that God always wanted to be with his people. The pinnacle of his creation was humankind. He walked with them in the Garden of Eden. He wanted to be with them, but humanity rebelled against him, saying, ah, we don't need you. We're going to do life on our own. So he partnered with the people of Israel. He went to Father Abraham. Had many sons, remember him? He said, you're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. Your descendants will be as many as the sand on the seashore. And yet, like every other human group, they eventually strayed from God. He didn't give up on them. He sent the prophets. He said, guys, please turn to me. Change. Live for me. We're going to look at the prophet Isaiah here in a little bit. But they didn't. Like every other human being, they continued to go their own way. But he didn't give up on them. He didn't give up on us. He continued to pursue us. He sent his only son, Emmanuel, God with us. Do you realize that in the Old Testament, God walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. But then when he partnered with Abraham, they got the Ark of the Covenant where the presence of God resided. That literally this box they carried around had the Ten Commandments and God's presence was with them. They carried with them wherever they went for 40 years in the wilderness. They actually built this big tent. They called it as a tabernacle, which means dwelling place. It was a temporary dwelling place in the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was kept because God wanted to dwell with them. 
But it didn't stop there. He didn't just dwell with them then. When they finally got their land, they said, hey, we need a permanent house for God. So they built a Beth-El. Beth, Beth is house in Hebrew. El is God, house of God. We know it as the temple there in Jerusalem. In the most holy of holies, they built this permanent place where the Ark of the Covenant could reside because God wanted to dwell with them. And what separated it, the, the Ark of the Covenant, from everyone else was this large temple curtain. In John chapter one, when it talks about Jesus being the light in the darkness, it tells us that he came to dwell with us, that God became incarnate and wanted to be with us in this life. You know what happens when Jesus is crucified and he gives up his life on the cross? The gospel of Matthew says that temple curtain's torn in two because the presence of God no longer resides in a box or in a building. Now our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit that God could be with you. That's the message of Christmas. Emmanuel, God is now with us. He wants to dwell with us. You thought he just wants to be angry, puppet master up in the sky, but he wants to be in your life. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to dwell with you. That's the good news of Jesus. And so I want to talk about that greatest gift that you have ever been given. And I'm going to do very quickly Luke chapter two. Look, the first thing I want to say is that the gift that he gave us is for everyone, everyone. Look, look what it says here in verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch of their flocks at night. The first people that encounter the birth of the savior of the world after thousands of years of waiting for that moment in time. You're like, how do you really know he had it planned out? Maybe he just did it on the spur of the moment. Matthew chapter one, the gospel of Matthew, the first 14 verses tells us that since Abraham in the covenant, there were 14 generations from Abe until King David, 14 generations from David until the exile, 14 generations from the exile until the birth of the savior. That seems like someone who had a plan. From the very beginning, pursuing all of humankind to redeem them. See, when he first presents himself, he could have gone to anybody, right? Like he could have presented the Messiah to like a king or an emperor or a wealthy person. And instead, the first people to see him are shepherds. They were considered the social outcasts of their day. They lived outside the city because that's where the animals could eat. But it's also because the people in the city didn't really want them there. They were low class, they lived with the animals, so they smelled bad. They weren't the people that you would present the savior of the world to. But Jesus chose to be born in that way. And in verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news. If you've never heard it as good news, maybe the person, when sh the person sharing it didn't really understand what scripture says, it is good news that will cause great joy for the good people of the world. Doesn't say that, does it? Why do we think that like the message of Christmas and Jesus redeeming sacrifice is for those people who have everything together? Look, I believe in holy living. I believe in living your life for Christ. But I want to tell you right now that if your idea is that first, before you could receive the, this amazing, great gift in your life of salvation, that you'd have to improve your life and be a better person, you don't understand what the Bible says. The good news was for everyone. Not everyone will receive it. There's a choice involved. That's very clear in scripture. But he came to the shepherds first, and it was for everyone, for all the people. And see, in this passage, when it says that, it goes on to say, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The Bible doesn't say that you have to be a good, perfect person. You know what I'm talking about? Like 
They've got it all together for us. They wake up in the morning, they do 17 hours of Bible study, then they pray, then they raise perfect 2.3 children who all got in the minivan without fighting with each other and sang Christmas carols and praised Jesus on the way over here. <laughs> Look, I'm all for those things as well, but you don't have to be perfect to approach this gift. He's been pursuing you and pursuing you and pursuing you despite the things in your life. A number of years ago, uh, when I had first become a Christian, I, I went to London, England, and I got to go to a place called Speaker's Corner. I always share this Christmas Eve because this really solidified my faith as a Christian. And uh, Speaker's Corner is a place where people get up on a literal soapbox and they talk about whatever the philosophy or theology or politics they want to share about. And the two best speakers uh, there that day were these two young Muslim men. And they talked about that they were, couldn't believe in Christianity in Christ because how could an almighty, all-powerful God who created the universe become a little baby boy that dirtied his diaper and needed cared for by his mother and father? And I walked away and reflecting on that, it really solidified my faith and why I followed Jesus because Christianity and Jesus in particular for me separates it from all other religions because it wasn't about me being a good person and earning my way to this perfect God up in the sky that doesn't really want a relationship with me. But out of humility, because we didn't listen, he became one with us, Emmanuel, God with us, became that little vulnerable baby child to live a difficult life for 33 years, to give his life as a sacrifice out of love so that everybody who's here today and attending online could know that God cares for you and he's pursuing you and that you could know him, live with him in heaven and experience him now in your life. And I realized that for me, that's, that's the type of God that I, I want to serve with my whole life. And it's clearly the message throughout scripture that the good news was for everyone. If you think you're too far from God, too broken, too hurt, too angry, too deviant, God chooses the least likely people to be the first one to meet him. What do you think he's going to do with you? Number two, if you're taking notes, his gift brings peace. His gift brings peace. Look down to verse 14. So this host of angels shows up, verse 14. It says, they were singing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Literally, there is shalom, the shalom of God, the peace of God. The, the Israelites would say this to one another. That because of God in their life, that his peace that surpasses our understanding is what got them through the difficult things of life. And before you're like, yeah, but they didn't live through a global pandemic in 2020. But let's remind ourselves of the culture in which Jesus was born into. Over 2,000 years ago, they didn't have all of the things that we have at our fingertips today. They had been oppressed, not just by the Roman government for hundreds of years, which was actually true, that they had been invaded and that they're paying taxes to their very uh, captive, the people who were holding them captive. But before that, if you go all the way back, first the Babylonians took over their land, then the Persians took over their land, then the Greeks took over their land, and then finally the Romans took over. So for hundreds of years, they have endured all of this hardship. They were the lower class, and the shepherds was the lowest class of the lowest class of people group in the Roman Empire. So here they say, you will have peace on whom his favor rests. That having God in your life enables you to face darkness. It doesn't mean that it's going to make it go away or make you rich or wealthy or have everything together. It does mean that you're going to be able to face whatever you're facing in 2021 and have peace. Not perfection, but know that the Lord is with you in whatever you're facing. That's the good news of Christmas. 
See, in Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before the birth of Jesus, it talks about the same theme of light in the darkness. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And what's the light in that deep darkness all this time, you know, thousands of years ago? Verse 6, it says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. All this time before, even though they thought it was just going to be a Messiah who was going to give him a reign for like a lifetime, it says that he was going to be a Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He understands peace like none of us ever will. Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It will be forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the zeal of the Lord Almighty will enable them to receive the light in the darkness. So if you feel like today, well, this all sounds good. I mean, I'd love to have peace in my life. I'd love to know God and be able to get to heaven one day and be able to answer that question with confidence that I have peace with God and I've received salvation and all of that. But the truth is, like, I got other things in my life and I'll never be one of those good Christians. So there's no way, no way that's going to happen for me because I've tried before and I failed. Or you're like, I would love to do that, but you know, I've got this sin and brokenness in my life that I just can't shake. I can't get rid of it. And so, you know, I'm not good enough to really be one of those people. If you're like, I, I would love to follow him, but I just can't. I want to tell you that he is the great way maker. He is the light in the darkness. He can change anything that's going in your life. No matter how many times you failed, he can succeed. And I want to show you as we break this down, why that's so significant, particularly as we head into a new year, that you know whether or not you have peace with God. See, his gift is for everyone. His gift brings peace. But number three, his gift requires our worship. We started our year talking about this was going to be the year of worship for our church. And so as I share uh, my last message of 2020, I thought it would be good to end talking about worship. Do you know what happens with the shepherds when they finally run over and see the Messiah? Look with me. It says in verse 15 of Luke 2, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. They literally run to him. They hurry over to him. They see the child. And then they go out and tell everybody about it. Verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things he had heard and they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. <coughs> that their response to seeing the birth of Jesus in the world was to worship him. See, we don't 
live a life of worship and devotion back to God because we have to to earn salvation. We do it as a response to the free gift that we have been given. That gift requires our worship. And if you're like, well, what exactly is to find worship? It is to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor, or devotion. You can worship a lot of things with your life. Maybe it's your career or your possessions or your portfolio or your family life, or maybe you worship your sports team, go horse, Colts going to win it this year. You fair weather fans, you can get out of here. Or praise the Lord, the Lord's team, the Notre Dame fighting Irish. We had a bad game. We had a bad game. But now we're due, baby. We're coming back in the national championship, right? We know what it's like to support our team and to have devotion to something in the sports world or in our career or in our personal life. But the one thing that he asks in return is that we simply devote our lives to him, to worship him, to celebrate the free gift that we have been given. A whole lot better than these really cool gloves. It's the greatest gift the world has ever seen, that he is Emmanuel, God with us, what if this year you don't just know of God, but you worship him? You devote your life to him. You say, well, why is that important? Because I believe so many American Christians and Americans in general are missing out on the almighty God, the wonderful counselor, the peace, prince of peace that we talked about to head into the dark times that we live in, to know that you're going to be okay. Romans chapter eight says, when we're at our lowest of our lows, his spirit will groan for us even when you can't utter a word. I'm telling you today, the greatest gift the world has seen is the gift of the birth of Jesus Christ into the world, his life, death, and resurrection so that we can know that we're never alone, that he could be with us, that his power and authority goes with you, that he can illuminate your path in a difficult season. See, sometimes we think that God is some wimpy, apathetic God that can't do anything to change anything in my life. I understand suffering. I don't know why it's been on my mind recently. And I shared about our son Jackson not too long ago. He, he was, uh, we found out about our son when we were moving to Indiana to start the church from California. And we got here and found out he was in the womb and he had a genetic disorder and should have passed away. He made it full term though, as we prayed and he lived two weeks before dying. And in the middle of launching a church, we, we lost our son. And so while this year has been one of the hardest years of my life, just like I'm sure it has been for you, that year was definitely the hardest year I've ever been through. And I could tell you when the darkness was creeping in and I was just giving up hope and I was angry, when I turned to God and ran to the light rather than running and hiding in the darkness, this amazing thing started happening. I began to find hope and healing in my life. I began to see God use our horrible story to help other people in need. We saw a, a number of people all over the country come to Christ because of our son's story. There was a woman online who was a practicing Wiccan witch who gave her life over to Christ because of our son's story. There was a, another man who was serving in Afghanistan who actually uh, recommitted his life to Christ and then mailed us a flag that he dedicated and flown in Afghanistan. He dedicated to, to our son. And we saw when, when God is with you, what can happen. So we were gonna name our son Jackson Mark Hoosman. We ended up naming him Jackson Oliver Hoosman. And the Oliver came from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 19. I wanna share it with you. And it says, I, God says, I will put in the desert, the cedar and the acacia, the myrtle and the olive. That the olive tree the acacia and the myrtle and the cedar will grow up in the desert. That where there's death and decay, God will raise up a forest because he's an almighty God. He can change things in our life. 
He can transform your outlook, the way that you perceive things in this world. He can transform real things in your life. If we just receive the gift, we surrender to him, we worship him back, we repent of anything in our life that's not of him, he comes in. We now have the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counsel, the mighty God in our corner. The temple curtain's torn in two. It's no longer in a building or a box. He's now in our life. We can live in and through him. It's incredible. Two decades ago, I gave my life to Christ as a fraternity guy who's super far from God, and I thought I would never do anything for the Lord. And I would tell my people I grew up with in high school that I was become a Christian and I was doing ministry and they were like, really, you? I'm not joking. And it, like, I saw God transform my life. And over the last two decades, I've seen it happen time and time again of people who felt far from God that said, I'm just so barren wasteland spiritually where the Lord shows up and he grows up a forest there in the desert. I'm telling you, he can do it in your life. He's Emmanuel, God with us. If you lack hope this December, come to the great hope giver, the Prince of Peace, the light and the darkness. Where there is no way, he makes a way. You are, if you're too broken, he mends your wounds. If you're too angry, he calms your storms. If you're too overwhelmed, he brings peace. See, when Jesus is born into the world and light breaks through the darkness, it's not just for certain people, it's for you. And we're going to spend the rest of our life getting excited about little consumeristic things and forgetting that the birth of Christ means you get to know the everlasting God, the creator of the universe, that he loves you and he's redeemed you and he draws you home eternally to you. Not just some prayer, but you actually get to spend eternity with God and other believers in perfect harmony that finally the world would be put right, that he never wanted it that way in the first place, but we kept rebelling against him. And no matter how many times you turn your back on him, he's going to continue to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you and pursue you until your very last breath. And some people that love you want you to know that God is real. He is living and active. He is with us in the room and he desires for you to come home. And the Bible uses this analogy, this imagery that when you come home, the prodigal son, he doesn't get angry that you have been living contrary to his best for your life. He runs to you indignantly with open arms, wraps his loving arms around you, gets the fattened calf ready because we're having a party, puts a ring on your finger, a robe on the back because his son or daughter was lost, but now is found. And I simply... This Christmas Eve, just want anyone who doesn't know that they have peace with God to receive it. You don't have to question it. The Bible says very clearly, if you believe and receive the free gift for you, if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, you have salvation. He is with you in whatever it is you're facing. Even when you don't feel it, that's probably when he's carrying you. Will you pray with me? Let's respond. God, first I pray for the Christians in the room that they do know that they have peace with you. But God, I wonder if this Christmas we need to have fresh eyes of what it's like to live a life of devotion and worship to you. That when the shepherds saw you, Lord, they ran away acting differently, praising and glorifying you. May we live that way, Lord. And then for anyone in the room right now, whether it's for the very first time or whether they just know that they've been kind of going astray and they need to come home to recommit or commit their life to you, Jesus. I want to give them the opportunity to do that. Look, 
I don't care if you never come into this building again. I want you to not live here, leave here knowing that, that Jesus loves you just as you are and he welcomes you home with open arms. And so if you would like to receive eternal salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ this Christmas Eve, I wanna invite you on the count of three with every eye closed just to raise your hand and we're not gonna make you do anything. We just wanna celebrate with you. So on the count of three, if you'd like to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, just raise it nice and high. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's always loved you. Three, he welcomes you home with open arms. I, I see the couple of you in the, oh man, a whole row back there. Wow, I see all of you, uh, four or five people over here to my left and the sixth person back there, person right over here. Holy cow. I see all of you, look, look to my right now. I didn't look over this way. Anybody else? Raise it nice and high. I'm not gonna make you do anything. Thank you. You, you can put your hands down. God, you saw those people raise their hand right now to say they're not ashamed that they want a life with you. So if that was you, just pray this with me silently as I prayed out loud. God, I confess that I'm not perfect. I believe and receive this free gift of salvation. I repent of anything in my life that's not of you. And I surrender my whole life to your Lordship. Use me, Lord Jesus. God, we love you, we celebrate you, we remember your birth, and we pray this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.